Hello and welcome to Reality Roots with me, your host, Hillary. Welcome. Happy end of Pride. <laughs> I did it. I found a great episode. I'm really happy with how this worked out. It is Pride. It is my Dirty 30 episode. And I think I found the perfect fit. You guys, we are going to talk about an episode of Phil Donahue, which you probably already knew because it's in the title, but I'm excited. I didn't, so this episode, I, Phil Donahue, the whole thing, I the whole Phil Donahue, I don't know, phenom, was it a phenomenon? <laughs> I feel like it was a phenomenon. The whole Phil Donahue phenomenon missed me. This episode is from 1991, so I was a baby, I was three that's not old enough to be watching Phil Donahue. This is the first ever episode of Phil Donahue that I have ever seen. And I loved it. I love, I, I don't want to say I love Phil Donahue. I don't think I can go that far. But Phil Donahue is definitely part of a demographic that I tend to do well with. Like in my own personal life or my professional life, I guess. Probably not this podcast, but yeah, I really, I can, I really, <laughs> really connect with those 50 plus guys for some reason. They seem to generally take a liking to me. So in that, and like, I have, I don't know, I, <laughs> they've grown on me too, I guess, as a demographic. So I felt like a connection with Phil, I guess. That's probably why he was so popular. He, he is relatable. I think he's relatable. He is similar to Jerry Springer. I do think that it was probably like, you know, Phil Donahue walked so Jerry Springer could run. That is definitely how I interpret the chain of events, whether I'm right or not. He is probably not... Okay, this is going to sound rude, but he's probably not as smart as Jerry Springer. But I say that with the idea that I think Jerry Springer is above average intelligence. I think Phil Donahue is probably like an average amount of intelligence. I mean, he's successful, so he's got to have some wits about him. But he he seems smart, but not too smart, I guess. He's just asking questions like, like Jerry Springer does, but almost, I don't want to say more aggressively, but with more enthusiasm, I guess, or curiosity, trying to clarify with people what they're saying and try to make it clear for the audience, like what they're talking about and clarify the language. And I just loved it. This episode, the reason I'm saying it's a pride episode is that the title again, which I assume you've seen from the title is women leave their husbands for other women. Love it. To talk about this in 1991, oh, wow, wow, wow. The world was a lot different in 1991. I can see it just from watching this episode. It's very clear. Phil Donahue, like Jerry Springer, I think is very non-judgmental or his, maybe he has his own opinions. We don't know, but he's not bringing those to the show. He's just trying to kind of get it all out and start real conversations about things that might, I mean, I haven't seen every episode, but this episode, I would say he's talking, you know, about something that might be a little bit difficult with a pretty open mind and without any, not say censorship, not censorship, but like censure, like C-E-N-S-U-R-E. 
without judgment, I guess would be also a better way to put it. He, yeah, he's just, I don't know. He's, he's talking to them. The audience seems like they are getting more upset than Phil is on certain things, but he pushes back too. Like it is very much an, a forum. He also has live calls. So I suppose it must've been a live show. It just, it does feel more like a, like a forum when I think, I guess all of them are forums, but you know, we're not calling in, they're taped in advance. It's not really like always a discussion or we're limited in our discussion by what the audience is asking and how the host is leading it. This just felt like more of an open forum discussion. For one thing, we start with everyone on stage at once and Phil brings us through, I think there's like five, well, there's six people, but there's five stories. So he goes one through five and then gets into discussions with five and then four and then three and then two and then one. So that is sort of how he's structured it. I like it. It was really good. Like it was a great way to set it up. And then there was an opportunity after for audience members to ask questions. And like I said, there were these live calls coming in. So then that sort of furthered the discussion. It definitely changed it. Like I said, and and most of what people were saying on stage, I feel like the, because the people, most of the people on stage are, I'm, I mean, it wasn't LGBTQ plus back then. So I'm just going to say LGBT. No, it wasn't really T back then. I guess we'll say LGBT just to make it easier. I guess I feel like, I don't know if I feel a hundred percent on that, but that's the best I have right now. So I'm sorry again, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm absolutely here to be educated as much as I can be on that type of issue. But anyways, uh, everyone on stage with one exception, would be part of the LGBT uh, community. So even though it's in 1991, I feel like their thinking or their kind of, I want to say paradigm, I guess, like their verbiage, their attitude and everything, it's not quite in 2023, <laughs> to be honest. There's, I think there's a lot of language and words that just weren't available or weren't part of the zeitgeist at that time so I can't really say well these women are in 2023 and the audience is in 1991 but I think these women are probably in like 2006 (laughs) like maybe up to 2011 with how they're with their point of view I guess but it's because they're in it and I I'm have a feeling that it's because the audience just isn't in it and they haven't been exposed to it yet so their point of view on the issue hasn't quite shifted away from probably what they were taught by their parents this is getting serious guys <laughs> sorry there will be jokes i promise this is like a fucking dissertation now i don't apologize because i think it's fascinating but i i know it's not funny and i'm sorry <laughs> we'll get into it the jokes will come we start with everyone on the stage, as I said, and Phil, it feels weird to say Phil and not Phil Donahue, but I'm just going to say Phil because Phil Donahue, nobody's got time for that. These episodes are already (laughs) probably too long. So Phil sets us up. He says, some, actually, I think he just starts. That's the thing. Phil has a real way of just starting 
<laughs> just starting at like he hits the ground running with his sentences there's no delay to like pick up speed on any of the thoughts he just just I don't know that's what I think of when that that demographic of man is just I don't know he's he's I I see I see you Phil I know you I've met you he starts off hard he's like some of these women have left their husbands for another woman and then the audience laughs a bit. And Phil continues, imagine being married 30 years and then you look in the mirror and say, I'm a lesbian? Eh? Well, maybe you can imagine this. I don't know. No. Okay. <laughs> it's so weird. I, I... <laughs> Sometimes who was it like Sally has this big scripted thing or like Ricky Lake has this big scripted thing? Is there no one? I know this was the first show of its kind, and this is really part of Phil Donahue's charm. So maybe that's why it's it is what it is. But you guys know about writers, right? Like you could just just hire one for your staff just to help help the guy out just to start out he might must have something because he has stuff written on cards so he must be reading some words that someone wrote at some point so first he has them all lined up I had to restart a part so if I repeat myself I'm really really sorry but he starts with everybody on the stage I think I did say that love that and then we go like he sets everybody up you know like a kind of a, a tagline or like a Coles notes for why everyone is basically here kind of one two three four five and then he works his way back but getting more in depth into each situation as he goes so molly number one person one molly is honest to say that she cheated on her husband with another woman for about a year now she has to make a decision what do you want to know about her (laughs) And then he, re- I think he's reacting to the audience because the audience isn't mic'd up and he just asked them a question. So that, of course, <laughs> I think someone says why? And he's like, that's their question. That's my question this whole time, by the way. There are probably 20 times in my notes where I've just written, why? Anyway, this person had the same question, why? And Bill's like, why? I'll give you a chance in a minute here. <laughs> like he didn't just ask everybody. Next, Shirley. Shirley was married for 10 years when she cheated on her husband with a co-worker. The affair lasted about eight months. Then she left her family, including two sons. Also, she wanted to be a nun earlier in her life. And the audience reacts more to the nun thing. I think they're reacting to the, It's either the sons or the nun thing that they're reacting to. I, yeah, I understand maybe why they might have an adverse reaction. But the nun thing made a lot of sense to me. I think that before the world was as open-minded as it is now, again, still a lot of work to be done, but we are we are much, much farther than we were in 1991. I know that for sure because I just finished watching this episode and I'm pretty confident saying that. But anyway, before that, I have a pretty good feeling that the like nuns and priests or other positions where you were expected not to have sex with anyone probably attracted a lot of people who didn't want to have sex with the people that society told them they were supposed to want to have sex with. So that wasn't really surprising to me. 
Lisa. Lisa's next, the third one. Lisa, the third person, I mean. Uh, she was engaged to be married. Ooh, ten days before the wedding, she met another woman, and she told her fiancé, did they get married or not? Did they? You don't know. <laughs> Phil says, it's so weird. I love his casual Kelly uh, attitude towards the audience. The fourth person is Carol. Carol. Carol uh, was married for 30 years to a college professor. Two years ago, she went back to school and fell in love with a classmate. Uh, she has three children with her ex-husband. And now she's making a life commitment with another woman. I think we call that marriage <laughs> life commitment with another person marriage i again i understand in 1991 why he didn't say the word marriage because maybe that would have been too far for some of the people watching but life commit i think that's just the definition of marriage there's only two people left on stage now that we haven't met a man and a woman and they're holding like we i can see they're holding hands Phil leans over the shoulder of the guy and makes a little jokey joke. He's like, now what in the world are you doing here? There's a big laugh all around. And Phil's like, holy cow. First of all, I'm going to agree with whatever he's got to say. <laughs> Phil, what, again, 1991, what happened? What happened when you just said the quiet part out loud that you were going to agree with the only man who was there because you're both men and that's the only reason? Haven't even heard what Pete has to say yet. <laughs> Phil's on his team. So, we have Charlotte and Pete. <laughs> actually, what he's actually how Phil introduces them. Here, Charlotte and Pete Lumpkins. All right? <laughs> like, we weren't going to be all right with it. Their looks. I want to talk about their looks. Uh, Charlotte is wearing a suit with no tie. Like, I guess you could say a blazer with a white button-up shirt. Red is a suit with no tie. She's got really short hair and big glasses. Charlotte and also, I will say, pretty much all four other women, which make up five of the six people on stage. I think if I showed you a screenshot of just the people on stage, I think there's a an above 50% chance you'd be able to guess roughly what the episode was about. <laughs> just, just most of them look like stereotypical like what people think of as stereotypical lesbians, I guess. So uh, anyway, back to Phil. He's oh sorry, not back to Phil. Pete, we don't want to forget about Pete. Pete's a big guy. I don't like to, or I try to avoid talking about the size of people, but Pete does specifically say later that he's three hundred and seventy-five pounds. So, without making any kind of body judgment on Pete. He is 375 pounds. He's a big guy. He's wearing an ugly 80s sweater. Looks very 80s. And he's got one earring on the left ear. I don't know why he wrote that. I think because in the 90s, I do... I was a kid. So we didn't know what the fuck anything was. But I remember it being a big deal. Like, which side you got your ear pierced on. And I don't think that it is a big deal... But I wonder, I mean, I just feel like as kids say, I don't know, 1994, where did I get that impression? <laughs> must have, Somebody must have gotten the impression that it mattered for some reason. So I made a note. 
Pete and Charlotte have been married for 14 years. They've been together for 25 years, and they have eight children together. They were engaged when they were teenagers. <laughs> Phil's like, well, what's going on here? Charlotte, no, tell us it isn't true. <laughs> Charlotte says it is true. And Phil asks, well, are you going to save this or what? <laughs> Charlotte says, this is great. I love this. I wrote this verbatim. And... Mm, I can't decide whether I want to say my piece first or read to you what Charlotte's piece was because I just felt like I really connected with Charlotte's story. I bet a lot of non-LGBT people would. I think because sexuality has a lot of different facets to it beyond just which gender you find yourself most attracted to. There's a lot of other pieces that factor into it and it's not reasonable (laughs) you will not convince me that it's reasonable to have all those pieces and know how they fit together and under like have that level of understanding of yourself at the time when not really now but when at the time it was a lot more common it seems to get married you know early 20s I don't think there's any way that you would have all those pieces put together in your own mind at that age there's just no way because it doesn't okay your sexuality doesn't even really start to be there or evolve in any real you know meaningful way until puberty so that's a bunch of years that just don't even count and then during puberty I feel like those are the years that your sexuality is forming you can't really get a a feel for something when it's in progress of being built So that doesn't leave you with a lot of time left if you're going to get married, you know, 21, 22. There's no way. You'd have to do so much very specific personal growth in that one area to understand it. Meanwhile, there's this template that's being given to you. We talk, we're going to talk, okay, this is kind of a lot of what I'm saying. We're going to talk about a lot and the guests are going to talk about a lot, but you also have to understand at the same time that all of that is going on and maybe pieces are coming to you like bit by bit, but you can't really see how they fit together. And then meanwhile, somebody, not somebody, but society, your culture, everybody around you, your kind of, I guess, third family, <laughs> call it that way. Culture is te- is giving you a template and saying, this is the template that you should live your life by you're looking at the template and you're like, I don't know how these pieces, pieces, I don't know how these pieces are going to fit in here. I don't know how I'm going to fit in here. Like it's, it's confusing and it's a lot to navigate. And then if, if you do manage to find all the pieces or enough of the pieces to put together like a good picture, again, I don't think that really happens before 30, especially not at this time when Things were a lot more conservative and people weren't really mm, not recommended. People weren't really encouraged to explore that. Okay, now you're 30. Now you've got pieces. You're putting them together. You're like, oh, there's a picture here. Oh, shit. (laughs) This isn't the picture that I thought it was. Meanwhile, you've been married to someone for how many years? That's a moment. Like, that's a big that's a big part of your relationship because the sexual intimacy in your relationship is going to be deeply affected by your understanding of your own sexuality. 
And as I said, because there's more to it, like there's more facets beyond just which gender you're attracted to. I just, yeah, I think this conversation happens in a lot of relationships, not just LGBT. Although it would happen, I guess, in a lot of LGBT situations or most of them, because it's something, it's, it's, it's a piece that's never going to fit into that template in any way that people are telling you, you have to live your life by. I'll get back to what Charlotte says because Charlotte, I thought, I thought this was well put and I think it's important we all hear what Charlotte has to say. Charlotte says, I've decided this because I love this man and we've been together since 16 years old. We decided that no matter what I am and I am a lesbian, that he's everything he said he would be. When I took my vows of marriage, I intended to keep them, and I did. We're a family of God. We love the Lord, and he's been a part of our marriage and relationship. So for the first time, as painful as it was to come out to him and tell him, I love you very much, but I think I want another woman in my life. And I began by telling him that no matter what, he has the option of choosing to leave the relationship. I said, we can renegote this contract. Okay, sidebar. <laughs> Sorry, I don't. She has a long paragraph and I can't let renegote go by. No, I, I don't know if that was something like I don't. Did Charlotte come up with that herself or is that something? It it strikes me as something people probably said in the 80s and sounded cool. It didn't. I think because it rhymes with boat and goat. It's just hard to have a serious word. hands <laughs> with oat. I don't know why it just does the way it hits your ear. It just sounds not great. And that it just sounds silly. And then also, I think if we were going to shorten it in that way, I, I'd, I'd go with renegotiate and I think it would sound better, but maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I just want to know if Charlotte came up with that on her own or if it was something that people were like actively saying at the time. Anyway, so she, she said to Pete, we can renegote this contract. You have the right right now to get out of the marriage because at the time when I realized I was gay, he didn't know he married a lesbian because at that time I didn't know either. <laughs> I just realized this two years ago. So at that point, it was 2 a.m. I said, wait a minute, you're not really my husband anymore. And if you want to stay married, it's your choice. But if you want to remarry me, then you have to know you're marrying a lesbian woman. What does, what does Phil Donahue have to say about this? He says, mm-hmm. Now, does this future plan, and we believe you about your love for your husband, eight kids, wow. Does it give you the option to accommodate this feature of your sexuality, or would you be a celibate lesbian? To which Charlotte says, no such animal. <laughs> Very witty. I like that. It, it didn't really answer the question, and I... I feel like we talk around it a lot and I definitely understand why because I think it's a dicey conversation to have at the best of times, let alone in such a public forum. And I don't think it would be kind to Pete to talk about it so explicitly, but also we're really not getting a clear answer on what their plan is. Phil says, so like, yeah, we're gonna, I just, I just kind of, I don't know, not unburied the lead, but 
we're going to circle around this a lot more. So Phil says, so for good old Pete, the deal is he's your man forever, always has been. So you've never cheated on him in the traditional sense. And as far as you know, he's never cheated on you. But the marriage, in order to be saved, would have to give you a certain amount of free time. (laughs) Free time, code word for, (laughs) I don't know, time to talk other women. Charlotte says, well, the marriage is saved. We're going to stay together. I was either going to come out and lose everything or keep it all and get on with my life. So I decided to keep it all and get on with my life. Decided to keep my family or keep my husband, keep my children and get on with what else is out there. A lot of words. I (laughs) not a lot of answers, a lot of words, not a lot of answers. Phil asks, well, how's this working for Pete? Pete deserves a gold star, I want to say, as a human being. He's not perfect. Both Pete and Charlotte say some things on the... But especially for 1991, like, Pete has a lot... You can tell Pete has a lot of emotional intelligence and a lot of self-awareness. I'm very impressed by Pete and his attitude. He says, well, he talks, okay, he talks again about this conversation, like this kind of pivotal moment, I would say, in their relationship. He says, when we sat up one evening in that same conversation, realizing that we could just let it dissolve, and I thought about the different marriage vows and the whole thing and came to the conclusion, you know, getting back, (laughs) I would have liked to know what the conclusion was, but he doesn't tell us. He says, you know, getting back, he just cuts himself off to say, you know, getting back to the point of knowing We always knew something was there. So when she finally came out, it answered a big mystery for me. It wasn't like my ego was shot. Just suddenly I said, oh, that's what's going on. (laughs) Just, I think a lot of react, like, yeah, again, it's just very relatable. Like, I, I think a lot of people that when someone comes out to them, that is kind of an aha moment. I mean, we don't know what's going on in another person's head, right? And then that person's getting the pieces, but we're getting even less pieces. And then when someone shows us the picture, you're like, oh, yeah, no, that all the pieces I have line up perfectly with that. And now everything makes sense to me. Phil digs into that a bit more. He asks, like, okay, well, what what was it? Like, what was it? How they knew? And I think Charlotte says it's the magic or something. (laughs) Didn't help. But Pete says, you know, or he kind of explains, well, like we had this, you know, this fairy tale relationship, you know, everything perfect. And, you know, the music is playing and we're dancing and it's nice. But sometimes it's like, who's leading? <laughs> I thought that was great. And then he's like, it was very funny. And then he's like, and it would like, not just that, but it would just happen over different things. But there is a sense there that there was a part of her that wanted to come out. And the only way I dealt with it back then was to not get back down. They have three of their children are in the audience and they're very cute. And Phil tells us that the eight children that they have range in age from 23 to three. So this these must be the littles. Phil asks Charlotte if there's another woman in her life. And she's like, um, no, but they have my number. <laughs> like, I think she was, I think she kind of gestured to the other women on the stage, except for all those women actually seem to be in committed relationships already. But 
I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I like to think that by they, she meant all the lesbian community. <laughs> like she just was like, I am a lesbian and I'm sending my number to uh, a mailing list called all lesbians. <laughs> like we're all just going to know. Uh, then she says, okay, I have to say this. Because I was raised in a conventional, traditional church, every time I wasn't in order, quotes, air quotes, in order, I would go to the sisters. She doesn't say that, I don't know, they don't say that they're Catholic, but she refers to them as sisters. Maybe that, maybe she means, I don't know what that means. Like, do people, I feel like I've heard brothers in Christ. Do people say sisters in Christ? I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, whoever the people were at the church that she talked to, who were women. Okay, so she'd go in and she'd go to the, I don't know, sisters or the people, the women in the church. And she'd say, I'm having trouble with my husband. And then I'd have another baby. And I'd go talk to them again. And they'd say, you're not in line with the word. Submit to your submit yourself to your husband. And I would. And then I'd have another baby. <laughs> and this just kept happening like every time I you know started to confront this and I didn't know what to do and I'd ask people for help and they would go say well just do what your husband wants to do and then they have another baby (laughs) so we know what the husband wants to do I guess uh that sucks and she goes on then after I thought there was something wrong with me but I didn't know what so I'd read my bible and learn what I needed to do and I did it So I continued for the last 15 to 16 years to try to figure out what this was. And I talked to God through prayer. And finally, he said, this is what it is. Buried in me all these years. And I'm trying to fix myself, reading all the best books on how to appeal to him when he comes home. And the joy of and being a wife in the kitchen. I read every manual there is to read about how a wife should submit. And I submitted. And I got the kids to prove it. (laughs) Preach. You do. You sure do. This is the template that I'm talking about, right? Like the sisters being like, oh, well, just follow this template and you'll be fine. (laughs) Then you have eight kids. That's how eight kids happen. I feel like this probably worked well before women's lib and probably less well after women's lib. It's it's a good, like, it's a good trick. (laughs) Because then by the time she figures it out, now she's got eight kids. What the fuck is she supposed to do, right? Like, that's... Good job, church. She really did a great job of trapping women for a long time in miserable relationships. Uh, Now Pete talks. He says, but to go back to this big conversation. Oh, sorry. I missed something that Pete said. First, Pete tells us that she would go through phases. I guess this was the like the manuals she was reading. She'd go through phases and she'd do weaves or like full look changes or whatever to be more feminine but he felt that it was a manipulation every time, so it didn't really appeal to him. I want to know a lot more about Pete's sexuality. Like, to be honest, I, again, maybe he, I don't know. He must be the most emotionally mature person, or he has a similar thing going on that maybe he's not quite ready to confront within himself, I suspect. Or he could be asexual. I don't know. Pete says, okay, to go back to this big conversation, everything I felt and I demanded, it boiled down to me realizing it was really selfish. And if I really loved her, I had to love her as is. And Phil says he thinks we should get Pete some kind of award. I agree, personally. Me. I agree. Yes. 
Phil tries to dig into this a little bit more. He says, I mean, like, Pete, come on. This had to knock you down, big man. <laughs> Calls him big man. And it's certainly not the same as if it were another man. And Pete says, well, there was a point where I began to think it all the way through. I mean, there was a point where she was depressed and suicidal. Normally, she's really outgoing, but she was just staying in her room and not eating. And I began to reach out to people for help. I reached out to people that I knew who were gay to say, like, hey, can you talk to her and help her? Because I don't really understand what she's going through. Again, five gold stars to Pete. Great guy. Yes, I wish <laughs> wish everyone in the world was so understanding. Anyway, he says, well, some of them advised me that the like some of the people that he reached out to for support advised him that the only way this is really going to work itself out is that she needs to leave Pete. Pete didn't really like to hear that. Phil kind of wraps up this segment by reminding us that they've been together for 25 years. And then we kind of move on. We'll, we'll talk to them more. Oh, actually, before we go on, I maybe this is a good time to mention. So as I said, I did a little bit of Facebook creeping on Charlotte and Pete Lumpkins. Charlotte, I mean, Charlotte Lumpkins, again, it's just such a specific name that... I was like, well, I wonder if they're on Facebook. I wonder how they're doing. Especially because it's kind of like unresolved, right? Like they're, they have, they know where they are, but it seems like they're not clear on where they're going. At least to me, I don't know how it's going to like, I don't know. I want to know how it played out because we are 30 years or more than 30 years now from this. And I was like, did she end up leaving him? Or like, are they in an open relationship or, you know, I just, I really tried to creep <laughs> to see if I could get some kind of answers or like resolution or anything. So I found Charlotte, I found a couple profiles, I think for Charlotte Lumpkin, but it wasn't really clear. I think the last one might've been hacked because it was talking a lot of Bitcoin stuff. Charlotte didn't really seem like a Bitcoin girl to me. It was like, obviously very scary. Okay. It's not, I'm not my own feelings about Bitcoin aside, it, the posts themselves seemed scammy. Like it was tagging somebody, I want to say named Danny. And it was like, Danny got me so much money with this Bitcoin investment. Oh my God, reach out to Danny. And like, I was like, mm, Danny hacked her account. <laughs> I was posting these and it just seemed really out of, it's not like she had a lot of posts about investments and Bitcoin and stuff like that. It just really seemed out of the blue. And then it was like maybe the last three or four posts, I think, were in that vein where that reading, I, I suspect Charlotte's not active on Facebook anymore and her accounts have been compromised. While I was trying to creep on Charlotte, I did find, like, I got to Pete's profile somehow like through a picture or something it wasn't under Pete Lumpkins it was like Ronald Pete Lumpkins or something oh sorry the okay sorry the posts the pre-bitcoin pre am I not even my pre-bitcoin like anyway the most recent recent posts from I think the most recently active profile that Charlotte had were all scripture like I mean I went through probably the last 20 or 30 posts and they were all just snippets of scripture I don't know if there's something in there I'm I don't really know the bible that well to try to suss out people's intentions by posting them I couldn't really make anything out 
There were like a couple of pictures maybe with her kids, but she had eight of them. So I'm not really sure which kids or, you know, any of that level of detail. And I wasn't really willing to try to (laughs) decipher all this scripture to try to figure out what she was talking about. I got to Pete's profile. Pete has not posted in a long time. The one of the more recent posts that I saw was it was it was a, about God, I guess. It was about like blessings and prayer and all that, but it talked a lot about his recent health issues. Again, Pete did say that he was 375 pounds. So this post, it doesn't surprise me. Again, it's 30 years later. I, I don't, it's hard. Again, I'm not trying to body shame anyone, but it, to be, to be 375 pounds or in that range, like that is, you're getting into where it is going to take a physical toll on your body. Like it's not really meant to operate that way and you're going to run into some complications. So this didn't surprise me, but Pete, there, if this post had something about like, Oh, the last few years I've had such health complications. I've had like four heart attacks and I've just had my second amputation and, you know, prayer thoughts and prayers, all that. But like, I, I was like, Oh, that's makes me sad, but it's not really surprising. I guess. I think those were kind of in 2019 and then it looked like he really stopped posting early 2020 and it, sort of looked beyond the uh, suspected Bitcoin spam posts. I feel like Charlotte sort of stopped posting around the same time. And I wonder what happened to them in COVID either, like either way. I just, I don't know, right. could be, could be anything. I have no idea, but having Pete, having had so many health complications already, it made me suspect that he might not be with us any longer. Which is sad. Like I said, Pete is a, I think Pete's a great guy. And if he, I hope he's well. And if he's not, that's a bummer. Because we need more men like Pete in the world. And please take care of yourself. If you are in a range of weight that is very, that is, that is going to cause that many complications. I think it is in your best interest to try to do your best to spend as much time with us as you can. Anyway, we'll go on now to Carol. Carol, she, oh, Phil asked Carol if any of this sounds familiar to her. Carol looks like a classic stereotype of a lesbian. I know that I said most of the women do, but Carol specifically, she really looks like what we would think a lesbian looks like. She's a white lady. She's got like a really short haircut button-up cotton blouse with this big paisley-ish scarf at the top. She looks like she drives a Subaru and has two German Shepherds and a beautiful garden. I don't I don't know any of that for a fact, but I'm pretty confident at least one of those is true, maybe two. Carol tells us her story. She was married to a college professor for 30 years. Well, I mean, Phil already basically told us this, but then she went back to school two years ago fell in love with a female classmate. Phil, I don't know, points out, I guess, like, oh, it was easy to, and it was easy to finesse this because you were tutoring her. So it was easy to say to your husband, oh, we're running late. I'm just going to stay over. But your husband came home unexpectedly one day and on on an occasion of you being with your lover in your 
home that you shared with your husband. Wow. <laughs> we got a big wow from Phil. So he's still walking around, I hope. I mean, that's a pretty big hit for a guy. Carol says, I'm sure he suspected there were some problems already because we've been married for 30 years. She says, I was raised in a country home where marriage is very serious and I'd taken a commitment and I was going to keep it. And again, this template comes out. She's like, it was like, leave it to Beaver or whatever. I did what I was supposed to do and behaved myself, but I could never feel a connection with this person, even though I was doing all the right things. So I had a feeling this marriage wasn't going to last. I mean, it lasted a long time, but the only way I could see to get out of it was to get an education and get a job. So that's why I went back to school. Phil asks her if she knew about her sexual identity and Carol was like, no, absolutely not. And he says, so you didn't know you were a lesbian until you met this young classmate. I assume, I don't know, young, I don't know if it was, was it a younger person? And she's like, well, younger than I am, but not a lot, like 10 years younger than I am. And Phil says, so you just noticed that you liked being with her? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Like, he's, like, trying to lead her. Like, Carol, he's, I think, feel like that was a coded way to be like, Carol, talk more. I don't want to ask you such specific questions. I want to hear it in your own words. Carol describes a strong connection with this person. Like, what we all know, anyone who's ever been in any kind of love, whether it lasted or not, knows this feeling, right? She's like, I just wanted to spend time with her. I wanted to be close to her. I wanted to touch her. Like, I just felt such strong, warm feelings towards her. But, like, for her, it was completely new. For Carol, I mean, it was completely a new feeling. She said she was like, I always got along well with women, but never anything like this. Phil asks about her husband. So, apparently, their divorce was finalized two weeks ago, so... (laughs) his ex-husband and carol's like um he's rather subdued (laughs) phil's like did he shake hands when he said goodbye no so he wasn't able to really say goodbye to you in any endearing way and i was like phil would that be normal for (laughs) any divorce as someone who's been divorced i guess like (laughs) i didn't leave the last time I saw my ex-husband, I wasn't like a fuck you. Like, we had to like go to the courthouse and sign the papers or whatever. I don't know if I would say it was endearing. Like, it was like, oh, we got this paperwork to do. Like, if you have paperwork to do with someone that you don't hate, but you don't love, you're just like, oh, that's whatever. It's just, it's like a chore or like an errand, I guess. It's, I don't, I wouldn't say it was endearing. And I didn't cheat on him or anything. You know what I mean? It, it's not... I don't, I don't think that I, I wouldn't expect Carol's husband to be in an endearing kind of place, you know? Carol tells us that he cried. He was, she was like, well, you know, he, I don't know. He was, seemed fine, but he, he did cry when the divorce decree was read. His ego was terribly hurt. I, maybe divorce proceedings are a bigger deal. I don't know if it was the timing of it or if it's because they had kids in a house and probably a lot of stuff to go to. I don't, I know for sure nobody read my divorce decree to me. (laughs) They sent it to me in the mail, and that was great. Phil brings up her three children, aged 14 to 28, and asks, you know, how they're doing. Carol says they're all fine with it, and the youngest lives at home with Carol and her partner, and uh, they love her partner. 
and she says that they're becoming a great teenager because they live in a house, like a warm home, not this template that might have looked like it was like quote unquote supposed to, but had no warmth in it because there wasn't really any love in it. Now she's, um, you know, I don't want to say becoming a better person, but like it's Carol's, Carol's, I don't, I mean, we don't even know we're not there, but Carol tells us that this is a, she feels this is a better situation for her child because she, although it's maybe more of a quote unquote unconventional home, it's a, it's a home that has love in it. And that I think is more important to kids than again, what people have between their legs. Phil asks Carol about what it's like. He says, walking into the gay world. And I was like, Phil, I think I know what you mean. And again, I give you the benefit of, you know, 30 years of history of a doubt. But there's just there's just the one world, though, right? Like, we all exist in pretty much the same world, I feel like. Uh, Phil says this, quote-unquote, gay world is a complicated world to be in. And he says, so now you have a front row view of homophobia, gay bashing. I assume you've seen, wow. (laughs) Carol, like it's such a treat. Carol says, she doesn't understand it. Like she's like, I just, yeah, I have. And I don't understand it at all because people in the lesbian and gay community are the nicest, sweetest people you will ever meet. So I really just cannot understand the gay bashing there's just why like why are you so mad at the nicest people in the world great question next we move on to lisa lisa's outfit reads hogwarts chic (laughs) it's like i don't know i don't know what i mean it's like i don't know the out just picture like the hogwarts not the big robes but like the I don't know, the button-up, like, schoolgirl kind of outfit, I guess. But, I mean, obviously, she's an adult. Just the top part. I'm, they didn't stand up, so I didn't see. I don't know if it was a skirt or what, but very Hogwarts chic. With big Sally-ish glasses and big curly hair. But, like, it's not too curly. It's not too much. Looks good. Stunning makeup. Like, she looks gorgeous. Beyond gorgeous. So beautiful. <laughs> most beautiful person in this whole episode audience and everyone included she is gorgeous phil oh yeah sorry it also looked like i did i think it was just for support but it kind of looked like lisa and carol were holding hands and that i think like i said i think it was for support i and that kind of brought to light to me like oh yeah this is hard like this would be very scary to go out on TV in the 90s, 1991, and come out as a lesbian. And I'm glad that they supported each other. They are nice. <laughs> Lesbians, I guess these ones are. Phil says, Lisa, you're the one that was engaged to be married. And then to the audience, he's like, I didn't tell you, did I, what they decided. Where were you? Were you out of town? Did you meet this woman right before the wedding? Lisa explains she was living in her hometown with her fiancé. They were going to move together out of state. But I guess she went first, like, to get a house and get a job and kind of get them set up. I don't know, maybe he was tying up loose ends or for whatever reason, like, they decided she was going to go out first. And while she was there, she met a woman and she was very attracted to her. 
She says she felt love for her fiance and he was going to be the man I'd be with for the rest of my life, but I also fell in love with a woman. Now, Phil asks a bunch of clarifying questions. Again, we didn't have the verbiage then that we do now. It basically boils down to Lisa saying she doesn't identify as a lesbian from from the words that she says again knowing that she didn't necessarily have the words that we have now in her vernacular I I think Lisa's pansexual I don't like to tell people what their sexuality is but I can't ask her because it's 30 years ago so I think pansexual from kind of just how she put it she says she doesn't feel that she's a lesbian so much as she has the capability to love either or it's just the person that matters to her and not the gender just so happens that it was this woman that appealed to her. Phil asks Lisa about this first quote-unquote intimate encounter. Lisa was 21 at the time. Again, totally normal age to be figuring this shit out. Actually, even say a little early to be figuring this shit out. Good for you, Lisa. So Phil said, she okay, she told her fiancé and they got married he says it so dramatically he turns to the audience and says do you like this thank you makes us all feel better about ourselves <laughs> I, again it kills me when these people say like my thesis statement out loud it makes me feel like my thesis statement is right is that the whole reason reality tv is so popular is that it makes you feel better about your own choices which is what he just said, and that this is the start of it, that this makes us feel better about ourselves. But this doesn't make me feel better. Like, I, 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 I agree with the thought as it pertains to talk shows and reality TV overall. I don't know if I apply it to this episode, unless he's just saying, like, oh, your life is less complicated because you were born a heterosexual. But I don't, I don't, I don't know what... <laughs> Lisa's, I don't know, there's more story. The story to me, I don't know why Lisa's story, I didn't really care. Probably because she was so pretty, I was just looking at her. But she said, well, I told him 10 days before the wedding what was going on and that I didn't feel right about getting married. We sat together and cried. It was awful. I was sorry he had to be there when I was going through this. There was a lot of pressure. He wanted to work it out. He said he didn't care. He just loved me. All he wanted was me and he didn't care what the package carried along. I wish he'd been on stage. Would have liked to talk to him. I guess he didn't... Yeah, She says, obviously he didn't want me to have affairs on the side with other women, but he wanted me. Didn't matter if I was this or that. So we got married. Phil asks, well, is there any understanding in your relationship regarding the lesbian side? Again, she... She did, again, she didn't have the words to say what she was, but she did specifically say she didn't identify as a lesbian, so I thought that was a little bit insensitive. But she explains that two days after the wedding, she went back to the other woman to try to figure out what to do and went back and forth for a while until she decided she'd made a commitment to marriage and she would go through with that. (laughs) I wonder how this worked out as well. Phil says, well, I guess I'd like to know, and you don't have any responsibility to answer, but are you committed to a celibate life as a lesbian? <laughs> it just seems 
like a stupid question again. She already said she wasn't a lesbian. I guess he's just, it just seems like, just say what you mean. It annoys me when people talk around things like this or talk around the bush. <laughs> That's a saying, but just like, are you, are you fine with not fucking other women? For your whole life. That's the commit. Like, that's what you're saying. I don't know. Anyway, Lisa and Charlotte kind of look at each other and laugh. Charlotte already said, no such animal. But again, Lisa's different because she's not a lesbian. Like, she's still attracted to her husband. Phil says, listen, I assume this is what your husband wants. You know, you know, now I know. Oh, yeah. This is so weird. You, You know, or he's like, you know. Now I know what the peeping toms feel like. And again, I was like, why? Like, what about this? Are you telling us you have a chub, Phil Donahue? Don't tell us that. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Then he goes on, he says, but here's the point. You'll have to forgive our curiosity. I guess that's what he meant because he was curious. Other people are curious other than peeping toms, you weirdo. What about science? They're scientists engineers lots of lots of curiosity in the world beyond peeping toms but okay he says how do we keep a marriage under these circumstances how does it work (laughs) who is fucking who (laughs) that's what i read between the lines lisa said well if something did happen he would want me to tell him he just wants me to be honest with him I don't think our marriage would last very long if that was the case, so I just resigned myself to the fact that this is what I have to do to maintain this relationship, and I can't quit the marriage if I really haven't put my all into it yet. Based on that one sentence alone, I'm going to say there's a 95% chance that 30 years later, Lisa is not with this man anymore. And I'm like, I didn't look it up. I'm just, I think most of them had fake names. I think only Carol and the Lumpkin family had their real names. The other ones had names up in quotes and they, no last names. So I have no way of knowing that, but I feel like, can I feel pretty confident that, that, and it would, again, it's just, it's these things where I'm like, there were words in there that told me you've already broken up like in a way you haven't broken up yet, but doesn't sound salvageable to me now we have our first caller which was a whole new experience for me never had a never saw or experienced I don't think any show that had live callers what a treat it's a caller for Charlotte Lumpkin and it's her friend and she said like she's like I know Charlotte I know you and she says I've always been proud to know you I've always thought you an excellent lady and I'm still proud to know you and I want you to know I love you very much. And Charlotte's all smiles. It's nice. But what a nice thing. I'm glad she did that. That's nice of her. So we go to commercial. <laughs> Great part to go to a commercial. <laughs> it was kind of nice to end that segment on a nice note. Once again, Phil hits the ground running. We come back from commercial and he's like, Let's go here. Like, Jesus, calm down. Shirley, you were married for 10 years when you cheated on your husband with a co-worker. Now, Shirley's weird. Shirley is from the Midwest. If you looked at her anywhere in any circumstance, you'd be like, how did you get out of the Midwest? Who brought you here? You are from the Midwest. You are Midwestern. 
as fuck. What I wrote as a note, which I know is kind of rude, I said, her nose is a map of the Midwest. Her nose is what really gave it away. It was kind of like a Burt nose, like from Sesame Street. It was a bit of a Muppet, Muppet kind of nose. I don't think she was bad looking. She just, like I said, I think you saw her and you found out she was a lesbian. I don't think you'd be surprised. You would know already that she was from the Midwest, so we wouldn't have to even ask that. But like, um, I don't think she looks bad. She has this blue sweater on it with kind of a stripey type of pattern. And I thought it was really cute, but it was a very 80s shade of blue to me. It was kind of like a periwinkle and then the stripes on it are white. They went it was cute. I like like the color combination. I really liked. She had her big old glasses and her big old nose. Again, I have a big nose, so I feel comfortable saying that. Shirley had a sneaky type affair for about eight months. She says, well, I have a bit of a different situation than some of these women. I knew I was a lesbian and I suspected all the time I was growing up. And Phil had asked a question, something about, he's like, oh, so you knew when, like, when you got married, did you know? And she's like, oh, I knew when, I knew by the time I got married, I'd had, and Phil says, lesbian affairs. And Shirley's like, oh yeah, most definitely. Lesbian affairs. It's not, it wasn't an affair then. Okay. Phil asks, like, he's like, so you were, you came out as a teenager then? And she's like, no, not what I said in college. I guess in college she had her first quote affair, lesbian affair. <laughs> Call that sex. Shirley says, like, I can appreciate I can appreciate what Steve was going through. Who's Steve? Did she mean Pete? Confused by my own notes once again. I can appreciate what Steve was going through. Okay. Some of the non-acceptance. It was a small, rural, midwestern town and a lot of homophobia there. I couldn't deal with that, so I'll go do the thing that everyone says you're supposed to do. Married my high school sweetheart. It wasn't really bad, but it wasn't really good. And then I met this fantastic woman and we fell in love. Again, she describes all those feelings of love. Connected in a way I'd never connected with my husband in 20 years. Now Shirley and this woman are in a committed relationship. And Shirley's left her husband and her kids. The way she says it, she's like, I left my husband and my kids and now I'm with this other woman. There's a lot. I Phil points out for us, like the audience at home and not in the student, in the studio, points out that there's a lot of murmurings of disapproval from the audience. And so we talk more about the boys she left behind because I think that is what the audience disapproves of the most. They were six and seven at the time and now they're 10 and 11. And Shirley says her relationship with them now is great. <laughs> Phil's like, and with your husband? And she's like, well, more so now than it was in the beginning. Like he went through what Pete talked about going through and eventually like, as we were kind of trying to figure it out at a, at a point, he thought, well, I can force myself on her. I, d I don't, it seems okay. Again, 30 years later, I understand that, but it seems like people talk about sexual assault in a much more casual way than is warranted. But regardless, that was the point. 
Yeah, fair enough, Shirley. That was the point where she was like, yeah, I'm out. Bye. She left. Like, that's not, it wasn't safe anymore is the problem, right? Like, you can talk about whatever, but if your partner is trying to sexually assault you, then I think you can leave, right? Like, I maybe take your kids with you, maybe, but I don't. I don't think it was the kind of violence that was going to be directed at the children. I think it was just directed at her for this specific reason. So, I understand. And again, it sounds like they all live together in this rural town. So it's not like she took off to New York to never see her kids again. Like she was there. She just wasn't physically in the house, and it didn't sound like they were in any danger. So I don't think we really need to come down hard on Shirley. Eventually, oh, sorry. Um, Phil asks a super long and convoluted question that I really couldn't figure out, but it sort of ends with him asking about being intimate with the husband. And Shirley quite rightly clarifies she's like, nah, I had sex with my husband, but it was never intimate. Like, there were no feelings there. So now we're starting back at one <laughs> with Molly, the first person. Molly's in a wig and in glass, like sunglasses, and Phil says that they're happy to provide her that cover because she has to decide something here. Now, Molly's been married for two years and told her husband she had a one-year affair with a woman. The other woman has told her she has to make a choice, so she told her husband, and now she's got to make a choice. Molly says that when she told him, he was hurt and confused and angry, and thought this was so good she was like not good but interesting she was like and I honestly I had the same feelings confused hurt angry she said she always knew she was a lesbian but had never come out and admitted it and always kept it hidden Phil I don't know Phil goes on some side tangent to ask about he's like oh now you're with another woman and she was like no like it's it's there's another woman that Molly is attracted to but nothing has come of that so I don't even know why we brought it up. Molly just, I don't know, she describes a lackluster marriage with no communication. And this was a click, click moment for me. Sometimes people tell you a lot if you listen. And from Molly's words, I know, I'm, I'm, I know without knowing, I'm very confident that Molly's love language is words of affirmation. Because her complaints about her marriage is the following. There was no communication. She wasn't getting any compliments. She said the last time he told me I was beautiful was on her wedding day. And that was two and a half years ago. No compliments. And she says he wasn't really talking to me about anything. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. As a fellow words of affirmation person, it's just... Again, regardless... I don't... It's a... The thing is, is this whole episode is about... I guess gay or like lesbianism but it's not like it's it's really about relationships any relationship doesn't matter if she met another woman or a man like her marriage is not good it doesn't sound like it's good so kind of besides the point of what's gonna happen next I mean not what's gonna happen next you're gonna stay in the marriage or not but if you don't and where you go from there is sort of I would say irrelevant (laughs) to the outcome of that relationship Molly describes this other woman, she keeps saying like she's someone who's really strong with drive and she gave her the attention that she thought she deserved. We go to a commercial and we come back, we have some audience and caller questions. That was the bulk of the episode. Now it's kind of just questions. 
I sort of took some high, it was more like highlights because mm, it's just hard. I don't like, it's not that I don't, I don't know. I can't, mm, I was going to say I don't like the questions. I don't know if that's exactly what I mean. It's just very clear that the questions are coming from very ill-informed people with a very limited perspective on the issue. It's perspective that I have more, like I have more of the perspective on it because I'm 30 years into the future from where they are, where I think we all collectively have a better understanding of it, I hope. But it just, they just, the questions, a lot of them just honestly to me came off as sort of ignorant because I think the people were ignorant <laughs> of the point of view of the people on the stage. So I'll try not to get into the weeds too much. But somebody asks Charlotte, how is she going to have her cake and eat it too? Like, are you, are you going to have sex with other women or not? Like, we're, I, not just me who didn't understand it because it's, obviously people are still trying to clarify this. She gives us an answer, but it's about God, and it's not really a clear answer to the question as it was asked. Somebody asks them, like basically all of them, I guess, general question, how are your straight female friends reacting to this? They're fine. Carol does say she lost a couple of straight friends, and Charlotte says that her straight friends don't know yet, but now they will after this show. <laughs> Killian Murphy, <laughs> that his name Cillian Murphy? Uh, I don't, obviously it wasn't him, but it looked so much like him that it was him. Is it Killian or Cillian? Shit. Shit. I should have looked that up. I'm going to say Killian because I want to. Don't correct me. Killian Murphy says he's sympathetic to those who found out later in life, but he's not okay with the women who knew in advance. He talks about destroying, like, did you think about how you were going to destroy lives, including the lives of any children you might have? might have had and I was like okay I feel like this is kind of directed at Shirley because <laughs> I think she was kind of well I guess her and Molly Molly doesn't have kids though so I guess it's mostly directed to Shirley and Molly again it just came off as kind of a very sort of ignorant I'd say straight man question like someone who's never had to contemplate these things it maybe this is a question that they would ask and the answer we probably all know again it's about the template the white picket fence of it all and how hard they used to sell that to women and molly's like talking about this template and she's like by the way nobody at any point said oh you by the way you might you might be a lesbian or like that might be an option or that is something that could happen no like <laughs> when you what's hard to understand is when you're in it you feel like you're the only person in it and that's why that's why I think that we should have pride at, like as a month and a celebration. And like, at the very least, we should tell kids like, oh, by the way, <laughs> you might not fit into that template. So don't worry about it. If you're looking at the template thinking this isn't something that's for me, you might, maybe there's another, we shouldn't really live by templates anyway, but maybe there's another way that you could live your life. <laughs> It makes a big difference more than people realize. Like, again, people, you just, you just thought Molly was just going to know as a child, like when she didn't even know you're so limited when you're young by what people tell you of the world. If you don't know that that's an option, you just feel fucked up in your own self because you're like, I don't understand. I don't understand how everybody else seems to be okay with this. And I'm so not okay with it. Like there's something wrong with me. 
that's anyway that's a very common thing for kids anyway whatever I'll get past that we all know that we are Jesus I hope you all know that I feel like people listening to this would know that somebody else asks about Pete and Charlotte's kids and if they accept it they say that all the kids are supportive and but there was one kid that took it hard Pete says like we're a really close family it was a bit of a shock and some of them were like oh you should have told me when we were younger but again this oh I thought this was a good way to put it Pete says but again it was a cumulative knowledge again I think that I've never I really love those words again Pete and Pete and Charlotte aren't always great with their words but cumulative knowledge is, is is a great way to put what I was talking about with like you're collecting pieces and seeing how they fit together it's not just like unanswered there's more than one piece you have to fit together so it, it's a cumulative knowledge love that a caller calls in and she's like I have a question for the white female and Phil's like what the fuck there's there there's so many like I looked and I was like it, it looks like there's there's three we have to be more specific they asked Lisa if it would have been different if she'd fallen in love with a man instead of a woman. And again, Lisa's pansexual, so I think no. But Lisa says a lot of good words that basically boil down to no. <laughs> New caller. Uh, and it's Charlotte's unsupportive son. The one that they... Remember they said all... Remember, I said it like five seconds ago. But if you'll recall, one minute ago, I told you that... They told us that all their kids were supportive, but one took it really hard. Now we have one of their sons calling in and he's like, it's me and I'm not supportive. (laughs) And they ask how old, they're like, how old are you? Which one? And he's like, I can't, he doesn't want to reveal his age. He doesn't want to be identified from this, which is hard because his parents' full names are on there. So I think you're shit out of luck. And then also Charlotte starts, she's like, Ray, Ray. And you can hear him be like, don't, don't, don't. And then I don't think he says anything after that. I don't know if that was a good move on Charlotte's part. I think she maybe should have respected his privacy. Anyway, Charlotte, like I said, goes right in on Ray. And she likens it to having a terminal genetic illness. It's a bit of a complicated analogy. I don't know if it really stuck. She's like, it's not a bad thing. It's just part of who I am. And then she says some loving, kind words to her son. And then after, I don't know, after her son, I think he's hung up, but we're done talking to him anyway. Charlotte says, I think Phil asks her, like, how how does that make you feel or something like that? And Charlotte's like, listen, now I'm doing a lot of work with lesbian gay kids who've basically been thrown out by their families and completely disowned and denied, like, the basic necessities of life. I've been working with them and helping them. So she feels that if she loses one of her kids over coming out while well, she's helping 80 more that don't have families and you know, it is what it is. Like what else can you do? I felt like that was fair. A, a caller has a, <laughs> she says she has a question for Charlotte, but I don't really know why it was directed at Charlotte. The person goes on this whole thing. Basically they're engaged. It's a woman and they're engaged to someone they think might be gay and Phil, like, jumps in, I, I, like, we all want to. They're like, how do you know he's gay? Why do you think this? What's your, what's your evidence? And she says that she found some letters, and they were sort of romantic. There was a whole part that was like, remember when I kissed you on the shoulders? 
he asks when if they set a date for the wedding and she says yes march 2nd and he's like whoo he goes like a whoo wide eyed whoo so i don't know what time of year it is in 1991 but it must have been coming up phil says well i presume this is something you shouldn't have read so it's going to be hard to present him with this evidence and she says yes and it's uh, he's denied it previously and then phil throws to charlotte because he doesn't fucking know what to say he's like all right charlotte you're up and then charlotte does her best she kind of also looks like i don't fucking know why i have to do this but Charlotte tells her, well, don't protect the man from the truth. He needs to know. And she's like, he's a man. He needs to know. Don't go into any commitment without like a preacher or a counselor or something. And Phil's like, or a doubt. (laughs) Then the caller talks more and she refers to the other man as his lover. And they kind of are like, what? Okay. So you're, you believe it that again, we don't have, (laughs) it's kind of a different question of like, is it true or how should I deal with it? I feel like that's two questions, but Charlotte tells her that her tuition is right and says, follow your tuition. <laughs> Love Charlotte, but no, that's not the word. Intu- intuition. That's cute. Uh, she says, get a counselor and don't walk down the aisle if, you know, until you're really right with it. And then <laughs> Pete makes a almost perfect point. <laughs> he makes a great point about straight people thinking that being gay is something that you do, but it's actually a part of who you are. And then he <laughs> just fucks it up at the five yard line where he's like, he's like, it's like, it's part of who you are. Like me being black or me weighing 350 pounds. You can't change that. <laughs> uh, love the energy, Pete. I think you can change one of those things, though. Like, you you could, right? I think you could. (laughs) Audience member asks Molly if her husband was in, like, well, I didn't say love language, but, like, if your husband wasn't loving you how you wanted to be loved, like, could another man not do it? Molly's, it doesn't, I don't know, it's not a great answer to be honest. She's like, oh, that's understandable, but I'm a little more demanding. I like honesty and humor and what I was looking for happened to be right there in my face. Just happened to be a woman. And I don't know. <laughs> but she also said that she always felt like she was a lesbian from when she was a kid. So Molly's young. I think Molly, Molly maybe if we come back in 10 years and talk to Molly, she could mm, represent herself a little bit better. No shade on her. She's young and it's a lot to figure out for one person. So we get a commercial, but as we can cut away, or as we cut away, I see Charlotte like finger waving and waving in Molly's direction. And I wondered what she was saying. And we get another question from the audience when we get back about the legit, the quote, they put it as the logistics of the relationship between Charlotte and Pete. So like, is it going to be, this is the most, this is the closest we get to saying out loud what we're asking. Is it like a weekend thing? And does he have her permission to have an affair? Pete answers it. I think the best maybe that we've heard, still not a full answer, but he's like, yeah, that option is there, but I would not take that option. I accept this as part of who she is. If that were to happen, like, she's in that community, so it could happen. Not really, not an answer, but okay. And then Phil asks Shirley again. I don't, I, 
it seems like a shitty thing to keep hammering, but I think it was because I think it was kind of a collective question from the audience that he sort of tried to just do it on his own. And he's like, Shirley, just one more time. If you knew you were a lesbian, why did you wear marry a man? And Shirley explains again that she lives in a small, rural, Midwestern town where it is not acceptable to be gay and you really have to go for the white picket fence. That's the only option that's presented to you. And Phil's like, you know what? I think that sounds like a very honest answer and I don't know why the audience is not here for it. (laughs) He doesn't say here for it, but he's like, guys, calm down. Don't be pissed at Shirley. That's honest. Like, that is honest. What? I think... The audience needs to open their hearts and eyes a little more. And then Phil's, like, shouting. Because people are pissed about this, I guess, for some reason. Not for some reason, but I don't know. Phil's, like, shouting. And he's like, as long as there's a closet, we can expect a certain percentage of those people in it to try to prove they're not. Which was a bad... Like, I felt like that was a shitty way to say something real. I think there was a better way to put it. And then... Molly starts talking kind of almost into some polyamory stuff, but then she gets cut off because by a commercial because it's live TV. And I think that was basically it. When we come back, it's just like, and that's it. Bye next time. I want to point out, I think this is important. (laughs) This is the last thing I'm going to get right off my soapbox after this. I promise. The thing is, it is okay. They're Marion Mead is I don't think hmm, I don't know what he wants me to call him I want to say it's just that men's right activist has taken such a a turn but Marion Mead is very much he's a he's a good I think he I agree with him (laughs) I think as much as I can say from what I've heard him say and read of him and he is about boys and promoting fatherhood and men supporting men and that kind of thing. That's what I mean by men's rights activist. I don't mean an asshole trying to disguise his shittiness in something that probably is a good thing. I think that whole movement has been taken over by some real assholes. But he's he's there. And he's older, so he's he had told this whole story once on a different podcast, Wonder of Parenting podcast, which you should absolutely check out if you can. He had a whole thing about how he was there when women's lib was kind of starting in colleges and there were groups of women that were like realizing I don't have to be stuck in this shitty marriage that I was always told I had to be and there could be more for me and like, you know, I... I have the right to choose my own way and this is completely new to me and I'm going to leave my husband and go follow my dreams. And (laughs) Marianne says that like, even at the time he was like, that's great. Love that energy. Not arguing with that. You do have the right to choose your own path and stuff. Is it good to leave your children in the process like your your children are still children and they still need a mother and it sucks that you have not been given options to explore your own self or live your best life this whole time but it's not their fault either and I don't know if we need a mass movement of women leaving their children (laughs) and after that someone kind of took him aside from that meeting because the women was all or the meeting was all feminist and very that 
focused, right? And it was like, I, mm, Miriam, I hear you. Definitely, I again, I agree. It's just that these are women that have only just been given this option and this awareness of their own power. It's not the time to start telling them they need to limit their own power. They just discovered it, like just, just now. It's it's just not it's just not the time to like put restrictions on that at this moment in this group. Like it's just not the time or place. And I feel like this is almost kind of the same thing or like an extension of that of like previous definitely to I mean even into the 90s and even into today like there's a lot of discrimination against LGBTQ people and suddenly you know like yeah in the 90s say these it, that was kind of the first time where you could come out on tv and ha- and not think you were gonna get lynched when you were gonna get home and I don't know if this is the time <laughs> to start limiting that freedom or that power or start putting conditions on it I get it I do think it's important <laughs> to not forget your children when you find yourself and you want to live a new lifestyle or a new life not like, I don't want to say that. Fuck, forget I said that. I don't want to put it as a lifestyle. You get to choose your own life and you've never had that power to choose the life you wanted to choose before and now you can. I just don't think this is the moment or like this isn't the moment for that. Or at least let's not come down so hard on them, especially people who are ignorant <laughs> to this perspective and this point of view and this experience. Anyway, I have talked probably too long about this already, but happy Dirty 30 episode to me. This is episode 30, so congrats to me for getting here. Congrats to you for listening. Thank you so much for being here. If you have a very quick moment, consider it like a birthday present to me for my 30th episode. If you could do a really quick rate and or review and or subscribe, I would appreciate that so much. If you've already done that, thank you so much. I appreciate it more than words can say. And if you would like to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook at Reality Roots Pod, or you can email me at realityrootspod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Like beyond I always say that, but like thank you for listening to this episode. I know it probably it probably didn't have as many jokes in it, but I'm fascinated. I'm this episode I thought was fascinating to me and I yeah reach out to me by email Facebook and let's uh, keep the conversation going and happy pride and happy life to everyone (laughs) thanks for being here okay bye